Good afternoon to all of you. If you have your Bible, let's turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. The book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. The book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sicknesses, and all manner of diseases among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with the devil, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy. And he healed them all. Verse 25 says, And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis, from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. The Bible tells us that when Jesus began his ministry, he started his healing ministry, in which today the Sunday churches have been using this, might not be the right way, I mean the, the, the right type, use it as a front to invite so many people. They have faith healings. I remember in Malaysia, there are a lot of Pentecostal churches. They advertise in newspaper. Anyone that is sick, come, you will get healing. Oh, whole towns after them, you know. They all come. And I did a research because I have health patients that in our health center that have been to this kind of faith healing place none of them have been cured. They might feel that they're being cured that moment. But after they go back home, they come back to, to the same. You see? But the Pentecostal churches pastor, they realize healing ministry is one of the most powerful ministry to reach people because we are really in a sick world. You can go to a street, you can go to anywhere. In almost every home, there's somebody sick. And today, the Lord has given us the medical missionary work to become, to, to, to pioneer the work. Do you know why Adventist church is ranked the second, as far as I know, that reached the whole globe after Roman Catholic? Because the Lord has given us the right and the left arms of the gospel. The right arm is a health ministry and the left arm is the education ministry. That's why our pioneer, wherever they went, clinic, health center are being set up, school are being set up, right? And that's how we reach to the unreached area. You know, when I was still studying in the college, after one year, my heart was burning because I was reading so many of the spiritual prophecy about the right arm of the gospel. I was taking health ministry, uh, health ministry major. And Sister White saying, medical missionary work is the right arm of the gospel. I think you have read that before, right? It's supposed to be the pioneer work. It will take away prejudice. And Jesus is the greatest medical missionary physician. I read so much of it and I said, Lord, I don't know how. I have not seen it, you know. How can you do it? The time I was only 20 one years old. 
And I, after praying, I say, Lord, you must show me. I don't care whether it's there, but you must show me personally. So while I was praying, after one year studying, you know, after you study one year, you study nutrition, and then anatomy and physiology, uh, massage, hydrotherapy, but if you don't practice them, they're all going to forget. You know, most people forget 80% of what they have studied after they graduate. So I say, Lord, you must tell me what to do. After much praying, one day I was in my room, one of my friends came to me, his name is Dennis Ng, a Malaysian. He said, David, what is your plan in this summer? I say, what else do I have? <laughs> I can only work in the campus and pay for my bill. He said, will you be interested to come with me to Philippines? I said, Philippines? Well, what can I do? I said, why don't you come and do some health work? I will go back to do some uh, evangelism work, crusade. I said, hmm, this sounds very interesting. Let me pray about it. After I prayed, I felt that the Lord really wanted me to go. So I said, but I have no money to go. And to, more, to make a long story short, you know, a pastor was willing to let us go to the church to raise money. And Dennis and I went to the church. It was in the afternoon they gave us. I thought the pastor would give us in the main service, <laughs> but I was too naive. <laughs> but anyway, it was in the afternoon. The church was like this morning packed. But in the afternoon, they only left about 20, 30 people. And this looked a bit better. 20 to 30 people. And most of them are old people. I say to Dennis, I say, Dennis, if we could just raise $200 from this church, we should be happy. We need 3000 two of us, you know. So that afternoon, we share with what we want to do. And amazing, that afternoon, we received $2,680. Just with few people around. Wow, while we were counting the money, and one um, church member passed by, he said, David, how much do you have? Oh, I said, we got 2600 over. Don't you need 3000 <laughs> I say, man, this is more than we can hope for already, you know, 2600 over. Ten minutes later, he came with another $400. And the afternoon, we have more than $3,000. And I said, Lord, it is definitely a sign that you have given us a green light to go. So Dennis and I, we flew to um, Bacalog. I don't know whether you've heard this place before. Uh, Bacalog in the Central Negroes. And um, we went there, and from there, we went to a fishing village called Agusan. A fishing, a fishing village. Not many people, but maybe more than 500 family. I'm not sure. It's a fishing village. We have uh, Adventists have an uh, elementary school there. So my friend, Dennis, brought me there. Uh, the principal of the school, his, her name is Mrs. Barbarino. Short plum, very active. When Daniel was introduced me, he said, this is David, uh, he's here to do some health work. So Mrs. Barbarino looked at me, he said, David, what can you do here? I look at her, I say, I really don't know. But I'm here to try. I'm, uh, I know some hydrotherapy, massage, you know, things like that. We see what we can do. And she was blank, I was blank. I don't know what am I going to do. I was only there for three weeks. So first day, eat and sleep. Don't know what to do. Second day, eat and sleep. And the third day, 
came to the evening, I said, Lord, tonight I cannot sleep no more. I say, if I continue to eat and sleep, three weeks will pass and nothing will be done. I was so anxious. I, I, I said, Lord, please, I'm not here to have holidays. You know. So that evening, as I was walking to the beach, you know, this fishing village, they, they catch the fish and they do salted fish. Have you eaten salted fish before? Do Americans eat salted fish? The Chinese may, or maybe the Asian love salted fish, but they are very bad for your health. They, they dry the fish with salt. And all the whole beaches, you can see them dry the fish, you know. And sometimes when the sun is not bright enough, it gets rotten. And you can see all the worm be, beneath the fish. Anyway, it smelled bad, very bad. And I was walking toward the beach. I saw Mrs. Barberino walk out from the market because she had never cooked so much vegetable. We are vegetarian, you see. So she had been cooking so much vegetarian food for us. And she came out with a, from the market and I met her. And I said, Mrs. Barberino, oh, you are here. And Mrs. Barberino said, since you are here, why don't we go and visit some church member that are sick? I said, yeah, we should have done that from the beginning. So, as we were walking, Mrs. Barberino said, hey, this lady, you go pray for her. She's going to die. She's going to die. What is the problem? Oh, she had breast cancer. She had not been to church for more than a year, waiting to die. And I was walking. I said, Lord, I don't fly from America to just pray for her. Anyone can pray for her. I need to do more than praying for her. Huh? The Bible says, Jesus says, if someone is hungry, they come to you. You just pray for her? No. You give them food, right? So if a person is sick, you just pray for her? No. You do something for her, right? So I say, Lord, what can I do? So as I was walking, I would keep praying to the Lord, you know. And I reached to the house. These people live in bamboo house, you know. They built on steel. Beneath is all this pig running around, chicken running around, you know. And I was walking. And I saw this lady. She was only 34, 35 years old. Her name is Annabelle. Calling to her, she was on his, her last stage of cancer. So I walked in, I looked at her, she was very thin. Huh? And her hand couldn't even lift up. It was so painful, you know. Wearing a shirt, she felt painful. Ah, I feel very bad for her. I was talking to her, I said, Annabelle, how come you're not going to the hospital and do anything, you know? She said, oh, the doctor tell me it's the last stage. I have to fly to Manila to do all the work and I don't have the money. If I raise the money to go, the chance is very slim. So I just wait for my time. Man, when I was talking to her, you know, I think our mind, our brain is better than computer, you know. We can have many channels. Well, you can talk. At the same time, you can talk to God. So when I was talking to her, my mind was talking to God. I said, Lord, what can I do? After talking to her, Suddenly, the Lord helped me to remember when Jesus was in this earth, He's only had one way of healing. From the beginning of Matthew all the way to John, the way that Jesus healed is the same. It had never changed. When a sick person comes to Jesus, did Jesus rebuke them? Scold them because of their sinful life? Never. What did Jesus ask? 
do you believe? Or do you have faith? Remember a blind man came? Did you say, what do you want? I want to see. Do you believe me? You believe I can let you see? Remember? Oh, he will always ask, do you have faith? And as soon as the patient or, or the sick person responded with, yes, I believe, what did Jesus say? Jesus will always reply saying, thy faith has made you whole. And when they are well, Jesus say, go and sin no more. Let a more evil thing come upon your life. Everywhere you can find. Wow, suddenly, it was just suddenly, all this came to my mind. And very natural, I asked Annabelle. I said, Annabelle, do you believe that God can heal you? And she said, yes, I believe. It was so natural, I say, thy faith has made you whole. When I say that, I was shocked. I said, Lord, you better do something. <laughs> At that moment, I didn't see her become well, you know. <laughs> I said, Annabelle, we need to do whatever thing that we can do and leave the thing that we cannot do to God. Change your lifestyle. That is very straightforward. Stop eating meat. We do a cleansing program, fasting. You know, 20 years ago, you ask people to fast. If you have cancer, they think you're crazy. Only recently now, people are talking about fasting and drinking juices. I said, stop eating all this meat and stop. And we'll do fasting and juicing. And in the evening, I'll very quickly train up some ladies to do fever bath. You know, we increase the body temperature to a fever stage to fight against the cancer. And do whatever that I know. Charcoal poultice for the wound, you know. And do hot and cold. Whatever I know, I train some ladies and I will just sit outside and they will do whatever they can do, you know. And we remember we, 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 we need a bathtub in a village. They don't, don't even have hot water. So, no bathtub. Finally, we found a um, big petroleum tank, you know. People put oil in. We clean up, cut into half. And we put two bamboo so that you don't rock, you know. And we put cold water and pour in and make a fever bath. We do all the native way. We do it for her. And I told Dennis, let's pray for her, you know. God must do something for her. Amazingly, on the second day, while she was fasting, half of her pain gone. On the third day, she can lift up her hand. And on the day she came to church, more than a year she had not come to church. The whole church was excited when they saw her. Wow, I was excited. Mrs. Barbarino was excited. And we were doing all the treatment that I know of. We do for her. Amazingly, after two weeks, she feel much better. She don't feel any more pain. I should have asked her to go to the hospital to do a thorough checkup, you know. But I was too slow in this. And, um, but anyway, three years later, I went back to the same place. She came back and looked for me. She was already back to work. She was a teacher. And she didn't die. You know, I don't know whether she's still alive today, but at least she didn't die then. She still lived a normal life. Huh? After one week of the improvement, Mrs. Barbarino was very excited. And she came to me and said, David, can you come and see another patient? I said, sure. She also had cancer of the breast. 
I said, okay. And, but she is 80 years old. Oh, I said, 80 years old? Man, all the machine in the body should have not so strong anymore, right? So I say, well, we'll see what we can do. But before we go, I say, David, you know what? Uh, she has four children. And all of them are doctors. No, I'm very afraid of doctors those days. Because doctors don't believe what we do, you know. And, uh, and I'm afraid if they ask me too many questions, I might not be able to answer them, you know. Four doctors and they're all specialists. But thank God three of them were in America. <laughs> Only one staying with the, with the parents. So I figured out I will go when the sun is not there, you know. We go at four o'clock. I went there. They are about 80 years old. I think the richest home in the whole fishing, fishing village. Few mates inside the house. So I instructed the maid what to do. She have a wound on her breast that keeps woozing, you know. Cannot stop. And she just got a stroke, cannot speak. She have arthritis, cannot walk. So I was telling her husband, telling the maid what to do, to charcoal. You know, charcoal is my best miracle drugs, you know. So I just do charcoal, you know, put on the poultice, hot and cold. I think you all can give the same thought, you know, to them. And um, walk, exercise, new start program, everything apply. You don't want to walk, you have to walk, you know. You have to drink water like a fish. Just do. Tell her what to do, everything. And while I was talking, I forgot the time. Just finishing, I hear a jeep sound coming into the garage. I said, maybe the sun is back. So I say to Mrs. Barbarino, let's go. But me, Miss, Mrs. Barbarino, don't read my mind, you see. She's saying, David, I think the sun is back. Can you wait for a moment? Before I can say anything, she turned her back and go. And true enough, the son is back with the wife. The wife is a professor. And when they walk in, look at them, and Mrs. Barbarino introduced me. The problem is, she introduced me almost like I'm better than a doctor. <laughs> and the doctor looked at me, have you seen a lion face before? <laughs> and the wife, she's a professor. She look, when you look at her, you know that she is a strong woman, you know. She was more angry than the husband. Both of them looked at me. They didn't say a word, but they are very angry. Man, I'm only 21 years old, man. And I look at them, I say, Lord, what can I do? And as they walk into the house, uh, into their, life, their, their, their own office room, I was praying to God. I said, Lord, if you don't do anything to me now, this is the end of my mission trip, you know? And I was praying, I was so afraid, I was so nervous, you know? And while I was praying, suddenly a peace came to my heart. Because the Bible says, when you face things like this, you don't have to even worry what you're going to speak. For the Lord will put into your heart what you're going to speak. So I claim the promises. I say, Lord, you have to do it now for me. And I felt peace. I know the Lord will direct me. And when they came, they brought two plastic chairs in front of me and they start to look at me like this, you know. Very angry. I look at them. And suddenly, I felt there's a voice behind me. 
behind my ear, still small voice talking to me. Say, David, don't talk to the husband. Talk to the wife. I said, okay. But what? To talk to her. Look at her face. She's so angry. I said, what can I say to her? And then the still small voice tell me, teach her how to eat properly and make her beautiful. Use food, you know, as a treatment for her beauty. Oh, I've just finished my nutrition and I have a good teacher. So I turn to her and I tell her, I, it should have been recorded, you know, because it's not that I speak, there is a spirit that's spoken then. I preached to her half an hour, telling her what to do. How people clean from outside in, but we clean from inside out. How food can change our skin and how food can change our hair. <laughs> how, we can, how we can look better by eating. Oh, I don't know how I say it, but I keep telling her. From a very angry face, look at me. She start to relax and start to smile at me and start to ask me questions. Wow, the more we talk, she gets so relaxed and she talks so much. All the time, the husband was listening only. I didn't even look at him, you know. I was just looking, focused at her. And after I finished talking, and she said to me, she said, David, when are you leaving Philippines? I said, why? She said, you know what? It would be very nice if you can come to my university and give a lecture. <laughs> I said, you have so much confidence in me now. I said, I'm sorry, I don't have the time. <laughs> because the truth is I dare not go, you see. Now after I finished talking, I kind of know that I've conquered her. And the voice tells me now we can talk to the husband. And now I turn to the husband. I thank God I have remember memorized a lot of the big words from the anatomy and physiology. <laughs> so I look at him. Can you imagine? I try to explain to him the immune system and the lymphatic system, and all how it works, and how food affected them, you know? How cancer come? I don't even believe how I speak to him. And after maybe 20 minutes, he said, David, whatever you want to do for my mother, you can do. <laughs> I say, I've already given all the instructions to your mate, and they will know what to do. And after I finish everything, I walk out from the house, I tell you, honestly, I felt like Daniel walked out from the lion's den. <laughs> I go out, I say, Lord, thank you for helping me to overcome the lions. And I went back, I know God will do something for this old lady. You know? So Dennis and I pray hard. You know? And oh, on the third day, her wounds start to dry up. On the fifth day, she start to speak. On the seventh day, she can walk. You know, and wow, Mrs. Barbarino was so excited. You know, and um, after the second week, I think one morning I woke up and Mrs. Barbarino came in. She said, "David, there are people looking for you." I said, "Okay." I walk out. The whole elementary school was packed with sick people. They heard in the village there is a faith healer. And all of the sick came to the elementary school. And when I see the whole the people, I got a shock. And the Lord said, I've shown you how medical missionary work is the right arm of the gospel. 
how we can open and bring people to you. So, that morning, <clears throat> I start to act like a doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. So, I just tell them how to eat, how to drink. And everyone seemed to have, to have a touch from me, you know. <laughs> so, I just train up some people and give some massage and some hydrotherapy, you know, do treatment for them. And I say, tonight, tonight, we're going to have a lecture. Please come and listen. So they came and listened to the lecture. At the same time, after that, we have an evangelistic meeting. And the church is packed. And the Lord showed me medical missionary work. It's right under the gospel. How can we open up for people to come? Then after that, I went back to the mission office. The day before I fly off, I saw a pastor came in. He said, somebody is looking for you. They look a bit anxious. I said, who is this looking for me? And then lo and behold, I saw one man and one lady walk toward me. I was looking at them and they sat down. And the woman was a matron of a general hospital in Bacolot. You know? And she said, David, we heard what you have done in Bacolot. And this is our mayor. You know, my English then was still very bad. I don't understand what is the mayor. Because I have a friend that's called mayor, you know. So I thought this is his name, mayor. <laughs> so I look at him. Oh, mayor. So he got a big tumour on his neck. And I say, and I saw a cigarette in his pocket. What would you do? What will you do? You want to help him? He had to stop smoking, right? So I look at him. I, I should know that he's a mayor. I speak to him not that he's mayor. So I say, you have to stop smoking, you know. And this won't help you. I try to tell him what to do. And he say, yes, yes, yes. But I feel so bad for him. I say, I can come to your house to give you a treatment if you want. I can do a Russian steam up for you. And I say, do you have a rice cooker at home? He say, yes. Chair? Okay. I said, I'll come now. Oh, he was very thankful. As I, as I was walking out, I saw he has a driver. Big car. So I went in with him. He drove me. Wow, we came to a very big house. When the car was open, he got his, all his big car inside. And he had seven chancellor inside. I went in. Then I realized this man must be somebody here. You know? And I went in. I sat down with the whole family. The whole family, family was sitting down. And they're all Roman Catholics. While I was sitting down in the dining, uh, the, the living hall, the maid was preparing the treatment materials. I instructed them what to do. I was talking to these people, this family, you know, about health. But while I was talking, something came to my mind. Which Seventh-day Adventist pastor is able to enter a stranger house and say amen. A Roman Catholic family, who can come in but accept a medical missionary? Huh? While I was doing treatment for the mayor, you know when you do treatment for a mayor, it's different than you give them medicine, do you know that? You give them medicine, they will appreciate, but when you do something for their body, you do a steam bath for them, when you massage them, when you dry them up, you, when you talk to them, their feelings toward you are 
totally different. They feel care. They feel that you spend time with them. You know, I feel bad sometimes doctors don't spend time with the patient. They're so busy. One day they'll see 100 patients. How then can they spend time? But when I was talking to her, them, you know, he was really appreciative. And after when it's finished, <laughs> I came out. The chancellor brought me to a restaurant, a hotel. I know they want to eat. So we went there. I was drinking mango juice. They were eating their chicken and their beef, you know. The mango juice was fantastic in Philippines. I was drinking juice and I was testing them up. And the chancellor said, David, uh, the mayor really appreciate what you've done for him. And he wants me to let you know if you want to do anything in Philippines, let us know, we'll help you. And I said, if we come back again, we do any evangelistic meeting and health meeting, will you give us a play? He said, yes. Wow, suddenly I realized just in a short three weeks, you don't have to be a doctor, you know, you don't need to be a doctor on, I mean, of course you are a doctor, that is fantastic. You can do a thousand times more than me. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you, if you are not a doctor, you can still do a lot. But if you are a doctor or you are a nurse or medical med, per, personnel, you can do much more than normal people can do. And I realized how medical missionary work can open doors and enter into unreached area. That's how our church went into all the world. When I finished the whole Philippine trips, I get into my 747, not mine, but I was going back to America in a plane. I was lying down. It was a, quite an empty plane, you know, because not many people flying. I was sleeping four seats together. I lined them up like a business class. I was sleeping down. I was talking to God. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do now? It was so happy. I was very excited. I told God, you know, you really show me how we can do medical missionary work. And I can hear the voice. And I thank God, and I hope the voice will never leave me again. It will never leave me. And God saying, David, you're very happy. I said, yes, I do. You will do more. I said, what am I going to do? Next trip, you need to go to China. I said, China? <laughs> I said, I don't know anyone in China. How am I going to go to China? But after the voice is over, I said, Lord, unless you show me a clear sign to go to China, I will dare not go to China. But to make a long story short, finally, the Lord convinced me to go to China. And I worked in China since 1993 to 1996. As a student, I went in one month or two months. I have the privilege to brought Peter Gregory with me, Emmanuel back with me, and uh, many other friends, you know, went into China to do health work and many other works for the Lord. And um, the next hour, I will show you, I will share with you how the Lord continued to lead me in this ministry until now. So maybe we can take a break now and um, we will continue in 10 minutes' time.